Hello, everybody, and welcome to the sixth episode of the No Limits Podcast with Gary and Mac, brought to you on the State Hornet Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Mac Irvin III. Joining me once again is my good friend and now undefeated, Gary Singh. Gary, how are you doing today? What's up? What's happening? What's good with you, Mac? Uh, yeah, you know, football team had a <laughs> had a stumble last week, so I, I could be in better moods. In the words of Stephen A. Smith, I'm having a very bad day. Well, let's introduce the third voice on the line today, my good friend Burrow Dixon. I've been knowing him for a very long time now. I don't know how many years, but he's a player in the Kansas City Royals organization. Burrow Dixon, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Doing good. Nice to be here. Nice for you to be here, too. We're going to be talking about the World Series, and let's get into it, Mac. So the World Series ended last night, which if you're hearing this a day later than we normally post, that's why we wanted to make sure we had the result of the game confirmed before we sat down to record. The Dodgers winning the World Series 4-2. to two. Oh, man, it was a hard night for everybody who hates the Dodgers like me, but uh, what did you two think about that game and the series overall? Well, first off, I want to give congratulations to the Dodgers on a very entertaining series. I just want to give a big shout out to Clayton Kershaw, you know, Hall of Famer now again, basically stamped on his resume with finally getting that championship ring that he's been coveting for so long. But I wanted to get into Burrow. What was your particulars about each game and what did you overall think about the actual play of the World Series? There, there are two really good teams. The Rays had a uh, great pitching for the Dodgers, man. They just have a lot of firepower. They have the pitching, the defense, the hitting, man. They come at you from all angles. They can, they can take over the game in a second from, you know, all angles. So, you know, I think the Rays came as hard as they could. But I think – I honestly think the series went a little too long. I, I think the Dodgers could did it in five. I'm, a, I'm personally a Giants fan, but I like the, I like the Dodgers because they have a lot of big names, you know, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger. Baseball's headed in the right direction. A lot of good, young, high-energy players. So, yeah, it was very, very uh, fun to watch. I think it was a positive that they were able to get the series done. If there are two people I'm happy for, it is Clayton Kershaw, as you mentioned. We maybe Now we Definitely. can finally retire that playoff Kershaw moniker, even though I loved it as a fan and as a Twitter <laughs> user. And I also think it was important for Dave Roberts to pull this series out because if he had lost again, you know, I think there would have been serious question marks over his tenure. Definitely. You know, the, the, they have been you know going back and forth in the World Series, losing in, in the World Series, losing in the NLCS. So to finally get over that hump, I think it's really good. They have Mookie Betts for another 12 years. Cody Bellinger has a contract coming up soon. So the Dodgers pay players, but they have that money to, to pay to pay players. And that's why they're always so good. They just have the, the, the that capital to keep great players around. I know we've all been seeing today the big, I guess, critique of the game is the general manager – taking out the pitcher, Blake Shell, uh, Kevin Cash, making the decision on basically a lot of analytics. And I just wanted to get your baseball perspective since you're a baseball player yourself. Uh, what do you think analytics are doing to the game positively and negatively? And what do you think about that decision? Yeah, you know, usually as you see a pitcher more, you definitely, you know, have a feel for him. You see how, how he uh, pitches guys to the pitch sequence. But Blake Snell is a freaking 2018 Cy Young Award winner. He's not just any old regular pitcher going out there that guys have a dad on. 
Like he brings he 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 brings dog good high velocity fastball, an unbeatable curveball, and he's your ace. Like that's a guy you want to go nine innings in that situation. It's freaking winner go home. You can't take out your your star pitcher that early after and the part of the lineup he was going to face, they were 0 for six with like six they're like they're like 0 for six with maybe like six strikeouts. I think it was a early pull. But the analytics, the Ray and the Rays are great on the analytics side. They have one of the best minor league systems. So like the, the people that they have on that side do a great job. But I think in that situation you have to have some like baseball feel and just know that okay, your best pitcher on your team is, is out there pitching a great game. You have to keep him in. Burl, I feel like you would know a little bit better than either of us, but what do you think about the Rays' prospects as a team moving forward? Like, can you see them hanging around in contention for a while? I definitely see that the Rays hanging around for, around for a little while. They have the number one overall top prospect in baseball in the, in the minor league system still, Wander Franco. Over this past summer, I played their their rookie ball team, and their rookie ball team was really good. A lot of good, young, talented players. They have the number one overall system, minor league system in all of baseball. So that I, I'm not – okay, let me not say all of baseball, but I'm pretty sure it's top <laughs> three for sure. Top <laughs> Top three for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we got to talk about one more thing from baseball. Obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, Justin Turner, mm-hmm. you know, Man. testing positive in the middle of the game. <laughs> they had to yank him from the game. But then he goes back out and celebrates with the team despite having a positive COVID test. It just wasn't a good look for the league or for the team at that moment. I, I understand, you know, wanting to go out and celebrate with your teammates and all that, especially after all the work, especially after the you know, for a team like the Dodgers to finally get over that hump. But, I mean, at some point, you got to respect the protocols and such that have been established by the league. He's a key player on on that team. Um, he, you know, he's been there for a while. He's been there for, for some years. But, yeah, man, I don't, you, can't, you, you can't do that. This, this thing is serious. This thing is real. You never know who could contract it and, like, you know, how. So, I think that was, you know, a, a bad call. Just the optics of you're in the middle of a game and you got to get pulled out. If you're the player, it's hard to say no not to come out for World Series pitchers because, you know, he's been waiting for that moment forever. So like it's hard to say no, but somebody else got to do a better job of stepping in. Even if the players are fine with it, the other players, the refs, the other teams, the other coaches, the other family members, maybe they're not cool with it. You know, maybe like I know they said that they'd rather have him out there and they're just going to take the downfall on that one. But still – like you said, the optics of it just wasn't a smart idea. Just because if someone's real life, real life gets danger now, it's going to be a really bad thing to see. So hopefully everyone turns out fine. And just wasn't a good look to end that note on baseball, especially if there wasn't me at Game Seven. It would have been, it would have been all down the drain. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that aspect of it. <laughs> well, thanks, Burrow. Appreciate you coming on, man. I'm gonna hit you. Yes, sir. All right, fellas. Yeah, thanks so much. All right, now we're going to transition over to the NFL where we had two marquee matchups that we're going to take a deep dive into. And the first one concerns Mr. Gary's favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are now the only undefeated team in the NFL after they knocked off the Tennessee Titans 27-24. to Gary, talk us through what what's going on. How are you feeling right now? Quest for seven is alive, you guys. That means seven Super Bowls. We're going to come back and get our rifle thrown to be the most Super Bowls in the NFL again because now Tom Brady wanted to tie us up last time at six. But let's really talk about the game here. The game, 
I loved our first half. As we know, Big Ben, everyone was clicking on all cylinders that first half. That defense was really shutting down the running game of Derrick Henry and that Titans offense. And our and our offense, Steelers offense, is really doing a number on that Titans defense, which is showing a lot of problems right now, if you can only really see. But our second half, man, I was a little disappointed. I couldn't really see if it was out of gas or the Titans, you they have been more of a second half team this year, so maybe they that coaching staff is really good and they might have figured them out a little bit more. But obviously, you got to point to Big Ben. Just three turnovers just wasn't as smart for him to. Well, not as smart. It wasn't just wasn't really good at all. It gave him a chance to come back in that game. That game when it went to overtime, I don't know if we would have pulled that out because just the momentum was shifting towards the Titans' way. But thank God Gronkowski missed that last field goal big time, wide left, and. <laughs> Watch out, Kansas City. I'm not saying anything, but just watch out, Kansas City. We could be knocking at your front door. Yeah, I think the Steelers have kind of flown under the radar a little bit because I don't think a lot of people expected them to have the start they did. Uh, You know, Big Ben coming off that injury, you weren't sure if he was going to be the same. You know, I was talking with my dad about, you know, we were looking at all the teams in the NFL, all the teams that were considered Super Bowl contenders, and we were like, Who's the most complete team out of all of them? That means you got to have a decent offense and a decent defense because as we saw, and we'll get into this in a little bit, (laughs) you need a decent defense if you want to pull out close games. And I think it's just something we've seen Steelers have both sides of the ball on lockdown right now. And I think beating the Titans was a big test of that. You know, the Titans have been seen trying to get back to that AFC championship game, maybe even the Super Bowl this year. So I think this is a real good test for you guys. I think it sets you guys up nicely, especially now that you're the only undefeated team. I think a lot more eyes are going to be on you. A lot more people are going to be paying attention to what's going on in Pittsburgh. I think our identity just getting more established. You know, like we're going to our original identity when we won those Super Bowls back in the day. Defense first, offense second. And it's not like our offense is totally like in the drain. Like as we've seen, we have a lot of great players. They spread the ball a lot with Claypool. Washington, Ebron, we already know Juju, make the plays. We all know Big Ben sometimes tends to do a little too much, which can be a helpful thing and a hurtful thing because, you know, he loves to extend plays, but sometimes they can get us in the wrong predicament at the wrong time. Let's just hope the praises keep going. 6-0 and kind of scares me because it gets to the point like, all right, we need to lose, get our head knocked in, and come <laughs> back. You know, I know Max <laughs> mad that they lost this week at his Seahawks and we're going to transition into soon. But I think that's a good thing that they lost just because they needed to get some – can come back to earth real quick, you know, go back. Because like we've seen a couple – like that one Super Bowl with Tom Brady, you do not want to go undefeated and lose in the Super Bowl. That is not the way to go. That's not where you want to take your L. I just love that we have that same line of thinking. Like, we oh, okay, now that we're – now that we're five and zero, six and zero, we got to lose before we get to the playoffs. Once, <laughs> once, not not three straight, four straight, two straight, once. And also, you know, the trade deadline's coming up next week. What do you think's the biggest need for your team right now, if Is there it? is one? I know you guys have been linked with JJ Watt. Mac, maybe we, we could use JJ Watt. I would love JJ Watt. Why not? We got two of their brothers. Offense, I like where we're at. Maybe defensively in the back end, we are good. But maybe we can get slightly stronger, and other than that, maybe we can also get one one more running back. Only thing is, as you know, like injuries and COVID, I just want a little backups in the back end, just so we don't get messed up. And maybe even not even say anything, but maybe backup quarterback too, because we know 
if Ben goes down, they're going going downhill. So let's try <laughs> to get somebody to make sure that we have someone in place. All right, now let's get to the elephant in the room. Let's move on to our second deep dive. And it's the Seattle Seahawks against the Arizona Cardinals. Sunday night football, prime time. And the game went to overtime in which the Cardinals pulled out the win 37-34 to thanks to a last-minute field goal by Zane Gonzalez. Oh, man, let's talk about this game. I, I think the whole – there were – a couple of reasons why the Seahawks lost this game. The first one, defense. Our defense is not bad. It's God-awful. It's atrocious, <laughs> the amount of yards we give up and the amount of just stupid plays that we have called. Our secondary looks non-existent without Jamal Adams. Even with Jamal Adams, it was looking pretty suspect at the time. Uh, our pass rush is just garbage. Oh, man, watching Trey Flowers out there on the field playing corner, it makes me sad, and I think it takes years off my life because every time you look up to see a deep ball and you're like, who's supposed to be covering that guy? Oh, it's Trey Flowers. Well, that explains why the receiver caught it. Uh, Gary, say something before I run away with this segment altogether. (laughs) Mac, you got over here being being sad and everything. Come on now. I got to pump you up. Your team is still winning. Their team is still good. You guys still got, in my mind, I've been hearing a lot of talk this week, MVP, so many names getting thrown out, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and, yeah, so many quarterbacks getting thrown out. And I still got Russell Wilson, even though he might have had a bad, not bad game. He had a he had a couple of turnovers. Let's just say the truth. It's just a couple of turnovers that messed him up. Strange thing, like you said, is this team is usually great in those moments, usually fabulous, probably one of the best teams Close game situations always get the job done. So it was a little strange to not see them get the job done, especially when having multiple opportunities to get the job done. And that's one thing that was a little odd with an eyebrow and had my eyebrow raised in that sense in this game, which was I was just waiting for Russell Wilson to turn the Jets on and finish his game like he always does. Really, like I was I had him on fantasy. I needed three more points to win, Russell, just to let you know. Three more points, I would have won my fantasy. I would have stopped my four-game losing streak. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Gary's five-game losing streak in uh, fantasy football. Anyway, let's talk about that a different day. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like you said, man, you already said the defense is not looking right. I mean, they're going to need to make some trades. I did. I believe they made a trade today, I believe, correct? Yeah, we traded uh, offensive lineman B.J. Finney and a seventh-round pick to Cincinnati to get uh, Carlos Dunlap. You know, he's been disgruntled with the Bengals for a while, so this was his opportunity to get out and come play for a contender. So it should be a helpful move for us, Mm -hmm. but I think we definitely need more help. Uh, There's no no, uh, bite on that pass rush, and I think we need to be going out and making at least one more move on the defensive line. I like, uh, well, Everson Griffin just got traded again, so he's off the table. Maybe if they can try to convince the Vikings uh, for Yannick and Gakwe, I would love to get J.J. Watt, but I don't think the draft capital's there to pull that trade off. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we just need to be looking at any and all opportunities to improve that defensive line. Yeah, I mean, I see that notification pop up today when I was at work, and I, I thought about you instantly because I was like, this is a good move because they need to keep making. You told me you are like, you don't want to see no offensive moves no more. We are good on offense. All you want to see is defensive changes. And 
I think that's the like uh, you want to call them like we talked about earlier. They are a Super Bowl team, but it is scary to see that they're that their defense is not stepping up to the par level. It doesn't have to be great, but it has to get to like one more level of average to be able to contend. I feel like they're kind of like KC's time last year. They're not all good, but when they're all have they have a couple stars here and there, and when they're all clicking on one cylinder, especially at the right time of the year, it's gonna be looking good for that team, especially because of you know offensively. With Metcalf and Lockett, man, those guys right there just explode. And I want to talk about that play real quick, Matt, by Metcalf. You know, after the turnover by Wilson, he chased them down, I think, 80 yards to save that touchdown and save the scoring drive. They didn't even get a scoring drive off that play. And that was just that was just crazy to see, man. What do you think about that play, Matt? Yeah, I love hustle plays like that, and mm-hmm. that just shows you that you should never give up on a play. DK Metcalf, if we had won that game, that's all anybody would be talking about. And people are still talking about it, even though we lost the game. But, I mean, that definitely saved us from further embarrassment. I don't think that game goes to overtime if they get a score off of that drive. It was interesting to see Cliff Kingsbury try to go for go for it on fourth down instead of taking the field goal, just get some off of that possession. But I understand with the way the Seahawks defense had been playing up until that point. I understand why he went for it. But, you know, obviously hindsight's 2020. He probably should have taken the three points. And that way the game would have been killed off by the time regulation ended. Uh, I do want to go back because I do believe I said that there were two reasons we lost the game. I didn't list the second reason. <laughs> second reason was just careless penalties. Like there were two game-changing penalties, which were if they weren't committed or weren't called, the Seahawks win the game. Actually, there were three. One of them was uh, Bobby Wagner getting called for a personal foul mm-hmm. for a late hit after uh, he thought the tight end was going to catch the ball but didn't, and he hit him, and they threw the flag on that. That was a questionable call to me. I don't think it should have been thrown, but whatever. The other two were just blatant mistakes. Uh, Benson Mayoa, the defensive lineman, got called for leverage on the Cardinals field goal attempt inside uh, the guy there was about two minutes and 50 seconds left. And we were up by 10 and they go off that penalty and score a touchdown, which is what makes the game so close. Instead, they would have had to kick the field goal and then try it onside kick, which we would have been in a better position to control the game. And then the final one was the game killer. Uh, obviously DK Metcalf scored on a touchdown in overtime but it was called back for holding on David Moore. And uh, that was another killer. Just dumb penalties that you can't have in those moments. And, you know, you look at the Seahawks team up until this point, they hadn't really been a penalty ridden team. So for them to make dumb decisions like that in the clutch, when it mattered the most, that scares me. I feel like the Seahawks were really in control of that whole game and they just blew it at the end, but you got to give, it feels like the replica Russell Wilson, Kyle Murray, Big time credit, man. Like he showed up, and I thought, man, he had a couple chances to really even help them even faster to get back in this game. And, you know, he just didn't have time to throw a couple times, especially at the end. Russell Wilson felt the same way in the overtime, no time to throw. And, but you got to give credit where credit's due. The Cardinals put a hard, hard fought game, and they won that game. And I think that's like we already know that was that division is one of the best divisions in the NFL. And it's going to be really, Cool to see what happens at division upcoming in these last next half of the season, basically coming up. And yeah, what do you see from last week and maybe what you see upcoming? What do you see got going on in the future, Mac? Uh, I think all the divisions are pretty close, you know, with the exception of a few. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how they shake up. 
you know, we're at the halfway point of the season now. It's time to get real, you know. If uh, not everybody's the NFC East, you can't pull a playoff spot mm-hmm. out of your ass in the final three weeks. So you have to be uh, you have to be committed here. You got to pull out wins when you need them. No stupid losses, no dumb penalties. You know, we got to see that. And I think you mentioned all the marquee games and the NFC East game as well <laughs> on Sunday night. You know, it's going to be terrible, but fun to watch, I'm sure. Last question, Mac, for you. Who do you got, and do you think this will be this will be make or break for their season? Pats versus Bills. We know the Pats lost last week. They're two and four now. And I told you last week, I'm not giving up. I'm still going to stick with that right now. I'm going to stick with the Pats until I see them go down. And versus the Bills, who are five and two, who have been having a little up and down in their wins and losses. So who you got? And do you think this is a make or break game for the New England Patriots? I do that. I do think this is a make or break game for the Patriots season because they're already at, they already have a losing record at two and four. So you have to win this game to at least get to three and four, two and five. Not many teams make the playoffs coming back from that. But if you had asked me this question last week, I would have said the Patriots. But the way they just got curb stomped by the 49ers, not even a 49ers team that had gotten all of their defensive players back. Like this was still a mixture of a practice squad team and a second string defense and they stomped new England out. So I have to think momentum is going to be with the bills in this one. So that's my pick to win the game. And I think it's going to put the dagger in new England's playoff chance. Not, not maybe not, but it's going to, I think it's going to be really tough for them to come back after a two and five start. I'm going down with the ship, Mac. I got the New England Patriots. I'm going down with the ship. I'm hoping Cam Newton can step back into that role. Like he showed in the, Especially in that Seahawks game when he played, you guys lost. He played a great game, probably one of the best games I've seen this year in terms of entertainment value. And I still, I'm going to go right down with the ship, Mac. I'm going to go down with the ship. All right. And going down with the ship, I think we're going out of this podcast at the moment. We've hit our time limit. So we want to say once again a big thank you to Burl Dixon for joining us for the World Series segment. And thank you, the listener, for joining us for this episode of No Limits. We'll be sure to catch you next week for the next episode of No Limits. Peace.